Mate, did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, listeners. Thanks for joining us. This is We Watched a Thing. I'm Topher. I'm Billy. How are you? I'm not too bad. How are you doing? Oh, any fitter, I'd be dangerous. <laughs> we just had the Easter weekend. Did you eat much chocolate? No, I really didn't. Yeah, you said before that you had one egg the whole weekend. Yeah, one. That's insane. I had about 40. <laughs> I bet you did. Now, if your daughter woke up on Easter Sunday, like, no eggs this year. Yeah. Daddy dad's ate dad's in the corner, yeah. just sweating chocolate. Foil wrappers everywhere. <laughs> Regular Sunday, though. She's pretty used to that. I suppose. Yeah. I suppose. <laughs> and you got to the movies a ton this weekend, yeah? I did well. Yeah? What did you see yesterday again? Yesterday I went to The Death of Stalin. Sounds fancy. New How one. was that? It's, not, it's really not as fancy as it sounds. From, from a guy who, uh, the last thing, I think the only thing I'd seen of his previously was a film called In the Loop. That sounds Which familiar. kind of spawned out of a TV show. Really, really funny film. Yeah. I was so into it. Death of Stalin was- Good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Not as much as in the loop. Comedy? Comedy, yeah. It's it's about the rest of the the organization essentially jostling for position following his death. Yeah, right. And it's it's really quite funny. Well, I got forced to watch a Nancy Myers movie. <laughs> the latest, uh, Home Again with Reese Witherspoon. I'm not aware of this film. <laughs> I don't think most people are. It's actually Nancy Myers. Well, Nancy Myers produced it, but her daughter wrote and directed it, and it's not great. So you can skip it. You can feel free to skip it. <laughs> well, we both got to Ready Player One. We sure did. We went and we saw References, the movie. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, so, yeah, Ready Player One, directed by- Steven Spielberg. I barely even need to say that. Everybody knows that. You may have heard of him. <laughs> you might You might have seen him kicking around. I think he's going places. Uh, written by Zach Penn and Ernest Cline, based on Ernest Cline's novel from 2011, and it stars Ty Sheridan, Olivia Cook, Ben Mendelsohn, TJ Miller, Simon Pegg, and Mark Rylance. It costs $175 million plus $150 million for global marketing, and so far it's pulled in $180 worldwide. That's not bad, given it just opened. Not bad for opening weekend. I think domestically it did about 53 or something. I think think that's right. Tell us what it's about. It is about the search for an online Easter egg, essentially, which is left by the character that Mark Rylance plays, James Halliday, who in his will says, whoever finds this thing inherits all this stuff. And Halliday is like a cross between Willy Wonka and Steve Jobs. Yep. Perfect description. If you inherit it, you become the richest person on earth. And you have control of the Oasis, which is a virtual reality thing, which everyone does because life itself is set in 2045, I think. And life itself has turned to shit. Yeah. So it's much easier to just hang out in the Oasis than it is to deal with life. Do you know much about the book? I have not read the book, but I know that you have. I got given the book for Christmas, so I just read it quite recently. Ah, so it's fresh in your mind. It is. Do you feel like that killed some of it for you? Because the biggest feedback I've seen online is people who are fans of the book did not like the movie at all. Oh, Apparently, right. there's a lot of changes. Plot-wise, yeah, there is. there are a lot of differences. There's things that I think are better in the book, which I kind of wish they hadn't changed, but there's things about the movie that I think improve- on the book. There are some things about the book that are a little bit hashtag problematic. Yeah. Okay. One might say. Okay. Interesting. You'll have to tell me about that when we get to that point in the discussion. Mm. And I mean, I guess the things I've heard are that the changes that are made are to make it more cinematic because the book doesn't really visually translate so well. Is that right? Yeah. There's things about the book that aren't in the film that I would have liked to have seen and that I think really could have worked. Okay. I'm not, I don't think it would have been easy. Yeah. 
Do you feel uh, my problem with adaptations in the past when I've thought an adaptation isn't good? I don't care if they change plot and stuff as long as the tone and feel and message and everything lives on. Do you, did you feel that? Did that all remain the same? That comes through. Probably okay. my biggest, if I have a gripe in terms of the differences of the film from the book, is that the search itself, the the puzzles and everything- is a lot cooler in the book. Oh, really? Yeah. I don't know how it could be any cooler than it was. I you like you live with the problems a lot more in the book, and they're a bigger deal, and they're a, with, with I the think, puzzle problems. Yeah, and I, yeah. I just think they're cooler in the book. Wow, I don't see how that's possible because they're like I thought there was some amazing set pieces in this film. They're also completely different. Yeah, like the clues, the riddles, and everything in the film—they're completely different from. The okay, ones the so book. they're not even a little bit similar. Not really, no. Some some of them are. Yeah, there are other ones where, like, they've slid in a reference to a, a puzzle from the book, like in uh, in Halliday's bedroom, for instance. There's a poster on the wall, which, if you've read the book, you're like, oh yeah, there's that. Well, that's fun. So uh, yeah, amongst so all good. the references in the film, there's there even references. Eggs. There's even <laughs> yes, there's even references to the book in references the movie. Yeah, right. Okay. Did you enjoy it? Because for me, this is the most fun experience I've had in a cinema since I can't even remember. I can't remember the last time I saw a movie like this that was so full of adventure and fun and nostalgia. I This this just blew my mind. Okay. I thought it was fine. That's what I thought. <laughs> I knew we were going to disagree on this. I messaged you like the day before I saw it because you saw it before me saying, you know, all right. I worry that my expectations need to be tempered. Is it wrong of me to expect an eight or more? You just wrote back, yes. You are wrong. Because <laughs> <laughs> you told me you were expecting it to be your favourite Spielberg film since, since Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. And I'm like, okay, so Billy thinks this is going to be better than Minority Report, Saving Private Ryan, Catch Me If You Can. It is. Which it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it depends what you're- Okay, if you're comparing it on the level of a film, the art of film- no, this isn't better than those. But if you're comparing it in terms of what I really want from a Spielberg film is to feel like a kid again. And that's what this movie did. I'm happy you got that. You didn't get it? No, I didn't. You, did you feel that, like the whole nostalgia stuff? Because the tr- let's be honest, this movie lives and dies on nostalgia. Like, yeah, yeah. And, and it's interesting because this movie, it was, in terms of Spielberg properties, it was very reminiscent of E.T. for me in that it's almost a kid's movie. It's basically a child's movie. But aimed at people that are 35. Exactly. Which is what's kind of interesting about it because there's no way anyone under the age of 15 is going to appreciate this movie on the same level that people our age do. And yet, it's basically a kid's movie. The structure, the dialogue, the cheese, it is it is a kid's yeah. movie, but not for kids. Yeah, it is, it's weird like Yeah, that. but I, for me, I guess that really- that's what I wanted to to feel again, and and it, it for me it delivered. But I totally understand any critique of this movie. I get one hundred percent. So, like you said, it kind of, you know, it lives and dies by these references. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's something for me that without all the stuff that you're looking at and going, oh, cool that, oh, cool yeah. that, or oh, cool that. If you strip all that away, it's not a great. I'm film. pretty underwhelmed. Oh, absolutely. In terms of, I mean, firstly, it's basically Willy Wonka. Like the story itself isn't super original. The construction of the film, the dialogue and everything is it's cheesy. It is it is like it's written as a kid's movie. You know, it's like when you rewatch The Mighty Ducks or something these days and you're like, okay, I appreciate it because I saw it back then, but it's not really a very well written film. It is that kind of feel from it. But if you go in expecting that, I think you'll have a good time. Yeah. Like I said, I think the movie's fine. Like I 
I had a fine time in the movie. I don't want my money back or anything. Yeah. But do I think it's a really great film? No. No, but here's the thing. I don't think anybody other than Spielberg could have made this movie. The Like, unless they, if they adapted it more closely to the book, perhaps. But the way it's constructed, if this wasn't a Spielberg movie, it wouldn't be anywhere near as good. Because just the fact that he did it adds to that nostalgia. And without so, that, yeah, you're missing cut, it. I mean, in the book, there are references to Spielberg. Yeah. Which are cut out from the film. Yes. Yeah. Spielberg's like, well, no, this I don't is just absolutely wank. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if, if anyone other than him made it in this fashion, it would be a lot worse. Like, because just the fact it's him adds to that nostalgia. You get that feeling that you did when you watched E.T. as a kid, you know? So, one of the- You said there's some great sequences in this with the puzzles. My favourite, which is not in the- This is completely new, not in the book at all, is the Overlook Hotel. Oh, my God. One of my notes I have written down really here is cool. just all in capitals- and all it says is, the Shining sequence is one of the best sequences captured on film in so long. <laughs> because that entire sequence was incredible. It was very cool. I'll, I will say almost the entire sequence. I think up until the very end of that sequence with the- Once they go into the gold in, room. Into the ballroom. I wasn't so much into that. Wait, you went into the ballroom part? Yeah. yeah. The stuff before that, though. Really cool. Oh, it and was I, so I think cool. I said to you last week before I saw it that I'd found something out about the film that I wish I didn't know. This oh, is what was it was, what, oh, okay. that there's a sequence in the Overlook. <laughs> and I was like, oh, damn it. Oh, that would have been was- so cool if I didn't know. <laughs> and it was still really cool. Yeah, it was just perfect. Like, the way that- <laughs> Like, do, do you know if they- kind of used real footage from The Shining. I have no idea. It felt like it to me. It's great because there's a character in that scene who hasn't seen The Shining and has no idea about it. So that moment when he presses the button on the elevator and you as the viewer knows what is about to happen, you're like, oh my God, this is going to happen. And it was so, so good. I really like that. Everything involving room 237. Yeah. And- him go, you know that H hasn't seen it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, dude, yeah. not a good idea. And then you get the great moment. He's like, why are you mad at me? Of course I'm mad at you. You haven't seen The Shining. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, honestly, uh, yeah, I, I honestly think that some of that must have com- composited in real footage from The Shining. If it's not, it's phenomenal. It, it like when, really I mean, when is. the blood comes in. Oh, mate. It's amazing. See, but I don't think there's a bad looking sequence in this film. I mean, firstly, even if there is- how do you complain about it? Because it's set in a video game. So this is a, a, a minor gripe for me is that I've got, and I've got no issue at all with the kind of rendering of the Oasis. Yeah. As you said, it's a video game. It's fine that it looks like a video game. I would have liked there to have been more of a stark contrast between the real world, which is pretty CGI heavy. Yeah. And it for me, it doesn't look enough like a dirty future compared to then the animation in the Oasis itself. Yeah, I mean, my issue with the real world is the lack of world building in general. Pretty much the only thing we get is that exposition in his voiceover at the start. And outside of that, there's no real world building for what this world is. Like, it it raises a lot of questions. It's like, you know, how did we get to this point? Is there even a government? Are there police? Like, until the end when the police showed up, I was like, why aren't the police doing something earlier? (laughs) You know? Yeah, I'd have been really happy if the film had taken five more minutes at the beginning to ground you in Ohio. Yeah. Before launching, and that's all we needed. Five more minutes would have been it. Yeah, and kind kind of going along with that, I'd have, and I don't think it would have taken a heap more time, like 
that world building. I'd have liked a little bit more time with the characters to develop. Yeah, yeah, because they're pretty. They're pretty two D. There is, and particularly with the relationships between them, you know, like the way that the romance between Artemis and, and our hero Z kind of builds, it there's, really doesn't build. Yeah, there's not a heap of chemistry there, yeah, really, yeah. is there? Yeah, and I mean, once again, we have the ugly girl who is outrageously gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> like, Because then, like, Ty Sheridan's character, Wade, who's meant to be, like, in, in the book at the beginning, he's a bit of a fatty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Whereas in the, in the film, he's, you know. Yeah, so in, like, the second half of the book is kind of more what he's like for the whole film. Right. Because um, the book takes it over a much longer period, it does. doesn't it? Yeah, because this feels what like two, three days tops. Yeah, yeah, it's not long, is it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like when they've kind of met in the real world, and he actually has a kind of creepy moment with her when he does that. You know, brushes her hair back oh, and holds yeah. her chin. It's like, it's dude, like, man, you just met someone, you don't do yeah. that. Speaking more of the cast, I think Mark Rylance is fantastic as Halliday. He is the standout for me. He was phenomenal in this role. I think there were lots of great performances, but yeah, he was great. And his character was so necessary to add that grounding to the film because he's he's the character that as far as real world goes, we spend most time with and to be honest who we relate with most because unlike Tyler Sheridan's character Mark Rylance you know James Halliday he grew up in the 80s he was alive when we were alive so he is the one that we actually relate with and he is such a central character in the film that without him there I do feel like the scenes in the Oasis would get really bogged down in that avatar type thing and you wouldn't you wouldn't have that connection with them as real people I think he adds a lot to it and his performance was great yeah he's unsurprised Mark yeah. Rylance is fantastic. I couldn't every time I kept looking at Ty Sheridan, I just kept going, Oh, it's a mini Tom Hardy. Okay. And with Olivia Cook, I was just like, Oh, it's a mini Helen and Bottom Carter. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. I get where you're coming from. That's nothing about the film at all. That's just how my mind was working <laughs> in the cinema. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> The rest of the cast, I thought Simon Pegg was great. Simon Pegg's really not not in it a ton. No, but he's, he's a, really good when he's and there. to be honest, he's a little underutilized. But he, yeah, he's great. He he was fantastic. I haven't read the book, so I don't know how he's utilized differently there. But he's it's funny given what a central character he is, particularly to Halliday's story, which is as I said, that's kind of the relatable part. That's even for our main characters, Ty Sheridan and stuff. They spend the entire time looking at Halliday's life for clues and stuff. And I feel like we could have had a little bit more Og in there. So Og Og is, he he does different things in the film than the book, but in terms of, it's the amount of screen time I was expecting okay. of Og. He's the same, same in the book as in the film. He's an important person that isn't there all that much. Yeah, yeah. The other standout in the cast for me, which I'm prepared that other people might disagree with, is I, I really liked TJ Miller in this film. So I didn't I didn't know that TJ Miller was anyone going in. Neither did and I. And then I saw that TJ Miller was that person. And I was like, oh, that makes sense because I found that character really irritating and unlikable. <laughs> I knew that you'd think. <laughs> I mean, I knew it was, uh, the first time he spoke, I said to my wife, oh, that's TJ Miller. And she was like, oh, yeah, of course it is. Because he, he must have the most recognizable voice in the industry, to be honest. Like, You reckon? I think so. it's a, Just leaves Christopher Walken in his dust. <laughs> Christopher Walken barely sounds like Christopher Walken anymore. It sounds like he's doing a bad Christopher Walken impersonation. Give him a break. He's 120. No, it's crazy. <laughs> it's a little treat for all you listeners. There. Treat. <laughs> no, but T- and it's not just his voice. It's It sounded to me like he was improving. Like they just got him in the room and said, all right, just say some shit, TJ. Which for me, I enjoyed because I quite like him. But I would totally understand why others would think he was out of place. 
Well, no, for me, it's good casting because you're not meant to like that character. Yeah, yeah. And I find TJ Miller really unlikable. (laughs) (laughs) Hello to TJ. (laughs) Hey, buddy. (laughs) We get- Australia represent Ben Mendelsohn as the bad guy. Yeah, I, he and was I'm good. I'm a, I'm a massive Mendelsohn fan. I think he is absolutely brilliant, and I really like this bad guy for this film because he's he's like a sleazy '80s bad guy. <laughs> yeah, he's like an '80s stockbroker. He's like the guy in Futurama. Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is this the second? We've talked time about I- him before. <laughs> Yeah, Ben Mendelsohn is in there sleezing his way to the top, 80s style. Yeah, he was fantastic. And I, I really liked when, you know, speaking of character development, there is a little bit. I really liked when you saw him in those flashbacks with James Halliday and you saw him kind of even then in a different way, still being that kind of suck up, kiss ass, just so like meek. And the lawyer weak. in Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah. Like coupon day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I thought he was fantastic. The own, my own, he held a good American accent. Yeah, I, I just I love Mendelssohn. I think he's brilliant. My only thing is that I don't want Mendelssohn to always be cast as a bad guy. But he's so brooding. He's so good at it. It's, like, it's I understand hard, I understand you know, why it happens a you lot. Just look he's at so his good. physicality and he's like, Oh yeah, that dude would kick the shit out of me pretty easily. <laughs> like, really? Yeah, don't you feel that? No. Oh, but he's so imposing. He's Ben Mendelssohn. Yeah. <laughs> you, you could eat Ben Mendelssohn. Mate, there's a lot of things I could eat. <laughs> I don't know. There's something about him that I, I find. He looks tall. He looks built. He, I don't know. He just he scares me a little bit. Mm. I don't think you'd find him so scary in Darkest Hour. Maybe. Is he wearing a ton of makeup? No, he's King George. Oh, King George scares me. What's scary about you? Got you scared of people with speech impediments? <laughs> oh, he's that King George. He's the Colin Firth King George. He's Colin Firth. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, Colin Firth doesn't scare me. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I think we get away from uh, in a good way from the book is the. And I mean, it's still there. Like the the main character is still a nerdy white guy chasing after the legacy of a nerdy white guy, but it's. I think it's much stronger in the book that. The best thing you can be in this world is a know-it-all nerd, and it's a really it's it's an ugly side of of nerddom. And pick it doesn't matter what kind of music nerd, film nerd, sports nerd, whatever it is. This idea that if you know more than the next person, and it doesn't mean you've got a greater appreciation of it. Yeah, I don't think it's that strong in the movie, but I think it's an ugly side of the story. To be honest, okay, I'm glad it's not it's not as heavy. In the film by any stretch. So, in the book, does that come more into it with the puzzle solving? Is there much more kind of nerd history or yeah, something? Yeah, like, um, like Z and H are constantly kind of trying to one-up each other okay. with all this stuff. And you're just like, you're being a dick, yeah. honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like, there are times where those two, their behaviour towards each other in this competitive thing that actually- means nothing yeah. to anyone. Yeah. I mean, the other question, in terms of the references and the nerd history and stuff, I sit here and I have to question, this is the year 2045. Why is everybody in the world obsessed with the 80s? Like Because of Halliday. But that's the thing. From the Egg Hunter's point of view, I get it. Because they spend their whole life researching Halliday, looking through his history, his references and stuff. I get that. But the entire rest of the world, if you're not invested in Halliday like the egg hunters are. Well, I think you've got to keep in mind that the hunt started in 2040, at which point the entire world 
is trying to find guess, the egg. So we've had five years since then. And it's dropped off a bunch since then. But certainly, like, for a time, anybody with access to the Oasis, which is a, basically the entire world- Yeah, in this, was probably in this looking book, for the egg. Was looking point. for the egg and going through 80s pop culture. That makes sense, I guess. But, I, you know, you look at it and you're like, really? I mean, this is like- 60 years removed. Yeah. Like, I get- Because I get it from everyone who is, you know, invested in Halliday. But, I, yeah, I guess you make a point. If if they were all doing it at one point. I could have done with- To be honest, I could have done with even more, particularly with the soundtrack. I could have done with more. I think soundtrack, they could have gone heavier. I'd like to talk about the soundtrack for a sec, though, because the score, I thought, was brilliant. Like- Yeah, like, so I could Spielberg have done, without John Williams. Yeah, because Williams was supposed to do this, of course, and then he decided, no, I'll do the post instead. So they went to Alan Silvestri, who- He's no slouch. He's got a good name in his own right. You know, he's done things like Forrest Gump, Back to the Future, which, you know, that whole 80s thing, Avengers, Predator, like, you know, he knows what he's doing. And the score was so great because- it was reminiscent of John Williams. Like you could, you could understandably think that this was a John Williams score, which again just adds to that nostalgia. Like it just was so good. But I agree, I could have done with more on the soundtrack side of things. Yeah, like when the when the movie first starts and and Van Halen comes on, it's it's well done. It's really cool. I mean, even then it is. But I like I feel like Jump as far as eighty songs go is really kind of like. Over you, I could have done with something. Else. I'm totally over jump. Yeah, but, and I was amazed at how much when it how, came on. How much it did I was work. like, oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I t- I could have used way more. Actually, yeah, I was really disappointed that we didn't get Take on Me, yeah. which of course was used really great in the trailer. How many times do you reckon you could watch this film and still? Do you reckon you'd ever get to the bottom of the rabbit hole just picking up references in the film? I heard. A stat, and I don't know if this is accurate, but I read that I think there are 150 Easter eggs in here. I don't even- When they say Easter eggs, I don't know if they're just talking about the kind of hidden ones. I don't know if they're counting things like the Iron Giant or the Shining. If it's 150, it can't be counting any kind of characters or anything because there's scenes where there's 150. Easy. Yeah. And I mean, but the references- I know that, as we said, the movie lives and dies on nostalgia. Without them, it's kind of nothing. But they are done so cool. Like, where else can you see the Iron Giant yep. fight Mechagodzilla? Yep. <laughs> Nowhere else can you see that. We've got <laughs> the Time Machine DeLorean and, you know, a bike from Akira and stuff. Like, there's stuff there that people of a certain, either of a certain vintage or just with certain interests. Yeah. you just like, eh! yeah. <laughs> and that's what, like, honestly, I know objectively- that this isn't a fantastic movie. I know that. Like, when I was making my notes, I tried to be honest with what I thought wasn't great or could be done better. That doesn't stop me from loving this movie. And I'm sure that I'll see it again in the cinema because I loved it. Yeah. And, it, I mean, it was made for me to love. I was never not going to love this movie. It, it did even better than I expected. And that's, yeah, that's that's a great thing. Like, we're, we're both in the camp of- Whenever we're kind of rating films, we will tend to go with whichever is higher. How good was the film and how much did we like it? Yeah. we And we both do this. There's things that we know is a middling film. Yeah. But we love it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, like, there were, it was full of cliches. It was super cheesy. There was more than one plot hole. But I'm willing to forgive all of that just because of what an amazing experience I had sitting in that cinema watching this on the big screen. It is a feast for the eyes visually. Like what Spielberg did even with the digital cameras, I think it was top work. You know, and it is amazing to me that this film is such a celebration and a love letter to pop culture, gaming, movies, escapism. While at the same time, its core theme is kind of like, well, the real world is here too and it's pretty good. You know, even in 2045 where it's shit. 
you know, that's where human connection is made. And that, I, I thought the balance was really nice. So I thought that, so that kind of happens right at the tail end of the film, really, yeah. is the don't forget about the real world because it's what's real. And for me, it's like, it comes very conveniently. It's like the end of an episode of Growing Pains or something. <laughs> yeah. But you could argue that, well, that actually is fine for this movie because that's yep. exactly the kind of stuff it's referencing. Exactly. So the fact that it gets neatly tied up in a bow, I would say a bit too easily, <laughs> it's forgivable for me. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's it's there. Yeah. It's, it's one of the, exactly what we're talking about this film. Critiquing it, yeah, okay, it's there. But then you can also kind of just shrug your shoulders and be like, eh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the most critical change from the book in terms of just just being better at being people <laughs> is the changing of the character of H. I read something about this, but so is she not actually a woman in the book? In the book, her avatar is a white dude. And when Wade meets her in the real world, he's shocked that it's a black woman, not a white dude. And they try- There's an attempt in the book to explain away the reasoning why a black woman who could be anything she wants at all in the Oasis and what she chooses to be is a white guy. Yeah. They kind of explain it a bit, but you're still like, oh, no. Nah. Yeah, yeah. It's a little bit of that, you know, why Why when Darth Vader takes off his helmet is he a crusty old white dude when he was voiced by this strong, black, powerful- Yeah. 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 Um, so, the changing of, of H's avatar- yeah. Very sensible. That's good. I thought that actually the Avatar character designs were really nice. I I was surprised. I was not expecting to be spending so much time of this film with digital avatars. I don't know why I wasn't expecting it. I guess in my head I was like, oh, 2045 VR is probably really good. We're probably going to get more kind of real human. But, you know- it, it's a, it's a game. People don't want to look like themselves. So, yeah, I thought the design choices and the way they did that was actually really good. Did you- You saw it in 2D, I'm guessing? I did see it in so 2D. So did I, because I hate 3D. Yeah, not a fan. But you can tell watching it that it's made for 3D. It probably- Next time I see it, I actually might go 3D. Yeah. It might be one of those ones, because I think- I've said this to you before, that never in my life have I watched a film in 3D and thought that that was worth the extra money. Only once for me, Tron Legacy. Tron's one of the ones that has come closest. Yeah, Tron Legacy is by far the best use of 3D I've seen. Yeah, like it was it was done really well in Life of Pi, but I still find it a gimmick that I don't like. I don't like what it does to the image, and I think it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, it really darkens the image, which for me, it's like so many of these movies, you know, like you look at Avatar, it's like- such an important part of that is the color palette and design and everything. So when you put the 3D on and it dampens all of that image and darkens it, it's like I'm missing more than I'm gaining. Yeah. So I, I like I don't think I would like it more in 3D, but I would be interested to see a 3D screen. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be just, curious. Just out of interest to see how well those those shots that you know are designed for when you watch it in 2D, actually how well do they translate? Yeah. So I, I guess it's time to get down to ratings and I am prepared to fight you tooth and nail on this. <laughs> I'm giving this a nine. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I loved it. Like, I don't care how flawed it is. I know that it's got, like, multiple flaws. I liked it more than my wife, but she, I think, I, I don't know your score yet, but I think she liked it more than you. I think she was in between us both. But, like, for me, it was just such joy and adventure and fun and stuff that we just don't get at the movies anymore. Like, I literally can't remember the last time I saw something like this that made me feel like a kid again. So, for me, it's a nine. 
because you're not a kid. Yeah, I'm an old fat <laughs> Your fuck. brain's changed. <laughs> it got sullied by all the double quarter pounders. <laughs> I feel like an old man. You look like an old man. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, I, I, like, I did enjoy this film. Um, but for me, there's too much getting in the way of giving it a particularly high score. Yeah. Probably chief amongst them that I don't care enough about any of the characters. I've heard that critique. I, I was surprised at how much I did care, given that most of the time they're digital. We don't have a lot of development with them. I actually kind of did care about them, you know, particularly like Z and Artemis and H. All of them I kind of did care for. So I thought that I was impressed at how much I did. Mm, yeah. But I understand the critique from people who didn't. I yeah. get that. That's probably the biggest thing getting in the way for me, that I'm not, even though there's a bunch of really enjoyable stuff happening, I'm just not invested in it. Um, so it's a six for me. Yeah, right. That's fair. I feel, and I feel like the problem with the characters really does come down to the lack of world building. You know, we we don't we don't get that sense of why any of this journey is really important. You know, it's just sure they get a bunch of money and stuff, but it actually does mean more than that. But we kind of don't really get a great sense of that. Yeah, and we don't want like this film shouldn't be two and a half hours long, uh, and it's not, but. In, in, you know, if, oh, it's if we close. Have, it's two hours twenty, isn't it? Oh, I suppose with all with all the credits, I think it might. Yeah, be. yeah, two twenty, yeah, which is as long as it should be. Yeah, I, there's things that I could certainly have less of that I'd be willing to sacrifice to have a bit more character in there. Yeah. So fair to say, especially Billy, but both of us are saying, "Yep, go see Ready Player One." Oh, go see it, and I, I don't know about you, but I would say go see it in a cinema because, regardless of anything else, this is a cinema experience. I, like. ILM absolutely crushed the visual effects in this film. I, I honestly don't think that there's a bad-looking shot or sequence in this film. It is all amazing for the eyes. All right, so that's <laughs> us for this week. That's us. Uh, yeah, what are, we, what are we doing next week? Next week, we're doing A Quiet Place. I've been looking John forward Krasinski. to John Krasinski. Yeah. Writ- written and directed? Written and directed. I've been looking forward to this. As a non-horror fan, how are you feeling about it? I think it looks good. Yeah. Um, I got trailers for it at, I think, everything I went to over the weekend. Yeah. Uh, I think it looks good. Should we go see it together in case you need to hold my hand if you're all scared? Is, is that the way it worked when <laughs> when we saw Insidious? Was I the one uh, that was scared? I jumped once. Okay. <laughs> well, that's it from us then. All right. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchathing.com or at wewatchathing at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on Spotify as well. So find us in all those places. Subscribe, rate us, tell all of your friends. Here's the thing. If you tell three friends and then they tell three friends and then each of them tells three friends... Then we'll have a nice little pyramid of listeners. It's not a scheme. It's it's just a good but way of But that's what of everyone marketing. says. It's not a scheme. No, no, no. no but that can be the show's tagline. We watched a thing. It's not a scheme. It's not a scheme. It's not, it's not a scheme. <laughs> and, and you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at We Watched a Thing. So hit us up there and say hey. Happy movie watching, everyone. Give me a bit more energy. Say the same thing with more energy. No. <laughs>